Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at His feet. I will walk by His side trust him and then we obey him. that's the whole life right. remember this book is really it's a it's a doctrinal book and it really is uh teaching about how christ is the sufficiency of everything and and he's the one that paul trusted in and he's the one that all of us should trust in right i mean paul was definitely one that said i trust him and i obey him. and that's what he said here he's a in the beginning, he said he's a bond servant of Jesus Christ. He's a willing servant. He's a willing slave, you could say, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says before we trust Christ, we're slaves to sin. We're servants of sin. But the moment you trust Christ, you become a willing servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was called an apostle. He was one of those few that were called by Jesus Christ that saw him, did those signs, wonders, and miracles. And he was separated unto the gospel of God he wasn't separated and set apart and you know just saying he was higher than mightier than everybody else but he was separated to preach the gospel said that it was promised before through his promise prophets in the holy scriptures and we know that there was 333 prophecies in the old testament and he said those were concerning his son Jesus Christ our lord who was born in the seed of david you know, that was one of the things that the Bible said that the Messiah would come out of the line of David. He was born according to the flesh. He, he was all God, but he was all man. God put on human flesh, and he was declared to be the Son of God with power because he rose from the grave by the spirit of the holiness, according to the spirit of holiness, from the resurrection from the dead. And then he said, we receive grace and apostleship to the obedience of the faith, among all nations for his name. In other words, we're to tell everybody about Jesus, right? The gospel isn't just for some people, but it's for all people. He said, whosoever believes. And the Bible says one day every tribe, tongue, and nation will be in heaven. Not just the Jews, not just this group, not just that, but every single color, every single tribe, tongue, and nation. And then he says, among whom you are the call to Jesus Christ, he says that there's certain people that trust Christ and they are the called, right? They're called out of this world to be holy and to be pure. He says in First Peter, called out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And then he says in verse 7, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. And you can take out that to be saints as an italics because he says all who are in Rome, they're beloved of God. Who are the beloved of God? The saints. 
Those that trusted Jesus Christ. You know, you don't have to do all the signs, wonders, and miracles and all these things people say. But the moment you trust Jesus, you become a saint, right? Now, we don't always act like one, but in the eyes of God, I'm perfect because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm, I'm working on the positional, the practical part of it. Positionally, I'm perfect. And if you're a Christian, positionally, you're perfect. But practically, we got a long way to go, don't we? We got some things to work on. We'll never get those right in this life. But Paul says he strives toward the goal, towards the prize, towards the upward calling. In other words, Paul doesn't give up. He says we shouldn't give up either, right? We should strive every day to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And then he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of God's grace, him giving us what we don't deserve, we can have peace from God and our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is he doing at that point? Because he says the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, he's making them equal. He's saying that Jesus is as equal with the Father who is God and he's equal. And remember the last time we were here, we finished up this part and he said, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. So Paul was thankful for the Romans. Why? Because he says that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. And that was kind of like a idiom or whatever you call it today, a little saying that meant all of the whole Roman Empire. What is the old saying? Whatever was happening in Rome was known everywhere, right? All roads lead to Rome. And it was spoken of throughout the whole world. And he says, For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of the Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. So Paul uh, praised the Romans and was thankful for them. And then he prays for them. He says, God is his witness. He's not just swearing on the Bible, but he says, God is my witness. He says, God knows I serve him not out of obligation, not out of any kind of false piety or anything else, but I serve God because I love him and I want to to do my best for him. He says he serves him with his spirit. You could really say he serves him with his whole heart. He's saying, you know, with everything I got, I serve God because I love him, right? And then without ceasing, that doesn't mean he prays 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every second of the day. But it means that he constantly prays for these people, these Romans. He says, I make mention of you in my prayers, making requests. If by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. So the last thing we finished up last time was Paul wanted to come see the Romans, right? He praises the Romans. He prays for the Romans. He wants to come see the Romans. He says, but I, I don't want to come because I want to come. I want to come in the way, in the will of God. You know, sometimes we want to do something so bad that we say, well, I'm just going to go do this anyway. But you know what? You don't want to be anywhere out of the will of God, do you? Because you know what? You can get in trouble real quick if you get out of the will of God and and sometimes I've found that out. I've kind of said, well, I'm going to go do this anyway, or I'm going to bust down this door, and I'm going to knock this down. And, and God says, well, if you want it that bad, go ahead. And then they say, you know, I was in trouble. <laughs> you know, he'll say, okay, devil. You know, because the Bible says that God opens doors no man can shut and shuts doors no man can open. But he says, well, all right, Marty, if you're that big an idiot, 
You want to you wanna go do what you want to do in spite of me? You're not trusting me and obeying me. I'll let, you, I'll let the devil open up that door for you, and uh, let's see what prize you get behind door number three. You get the booby prize. So anyway, and then here's where we're at today. He says in verse 11, he says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often come to you, often plan to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. So the next thing we see is, is Paul wanted to come see the Romans. And then the next thing we see is he longs to see them and he wants to establish the Romans. He says, for I long to see you. And really that's the heart of a pastor. He longs to see these people. He doesn't know them because remember we said in the beginning of this book that, that the church had been started apparently by some of those people on the day of Pentecost when when the Spirit came down and the people got saved and they just went back to Rome and they started that church. So Paul remembers writing this book that they might be established, that they might be strengthened in the faith, that they might know this doctrine in case he comes. And in case he doesn't come, if he comes, it's going to make them stronger so he can use them for his purposes and God's purposes, which is to spread the gospel throughout the whole world. And remember, because Rome is central to everything, they're central part of God's plan, right? Also, he wants to grow them in case he doesn't make there. And remember, he's, we just said he wanted to come see him. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But he wants to make sure that there's a good, sound, doctrinal book. And it's written in case something happens to him. And he doesn't make it to Rome. And he doesn't make it much anywhere else. Because remember, his life is in danger every single day, right? And so he writes this book. And remember, I, I've said, and every, I don't know how many times people have said that this is the greatest book that's ever been written, is the book of Romans. I say if you get Romans down and Ephesians down, you're in good shape because you know who you are in Christ and how to behave. And then you also know all the major doctrines in the Bible, all the major teachings in the Bible are in the book of Romans. They might not be there in, in uh, full form but they're at least there in seed form and you ought to know what you believe and why you believe it at that point. So here's the heart of the pastor. I long to see you. And then he says that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established. He longs to share some spiritual gift with them. Now the Bible doesn't say it says God is the giver. Romans 8 says that God is the giver of the spiritual gifts. So Rome's, uh, Paul's not going to give the Romans spiritual gifts, but what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to bless them and be blessed by them by imparting his knowledge and helping them to grow and be strengthened. He, what he's longing to do is, is share his spiritual gift with them and grow them and strengthen them is what he's really wanting to do so that they would be strong and grow into service to the Lord Jesus Christ. That he says that they may be established. He wants to establish them. 
Now, we used to talk about the establishment. I don't know if we hear that word anymore. But you used to say, well, you can't change it. It's the establishment, right? You know, it's established. You can't do anything with it. Well, you know, that's what how God usually talks about that in Ephesians 3, that he wants you to be rooted in the ground and he wants you to be established, in other words. Here he says he wants these people to be established. He wants them to be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, right? He wants them to be so strong in the word of God that no matter what comes at them, that you can't knock them off of what they believe and knock them off of what they're supposed to be doing. And that's what he wants to do, that you can't change these people because they know what they believe and they know why they believe it. You know, and that's the most important thing, and that's the problem with the church today. So many people don't know this word of God. and They don't know what they believe and they don't know why they believe it. And all it takes is somebody to come along and tell them something different. And they believe it because they just don't know what their Bible says. And it's a sad time that we've come to. And much of it is the pastor's fault and the church's fault. You know, it's not the world. We blame the world for all our problems. But today we're at fault because we haven't done what we're supposed to be doing. And this world would probably be a whole lot different if we were living and doing the things that we're supposed to be doing that God's called us to do. As the Bible says, let judgment begin at the house of the Lord. So he says he longs that they would be established. And then he says also Paul wants to encourage the Romans and be encouraged by them. Look what it says in verse 12. That is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. So what is he saying? He's talking about a spiritual blessing and he's talking about fellowshipping with them and through their presence together and their hanging out, their fellowship and sharing the gospel and, you know, talking about the faith and the word of God, what's going to happen? They're going to be encouraged and built up, right? And really this shows the humility of Paul because think about Paul. He's a spiritual giant. I mean, he's the guy that wrote... 12 books in the New Testament, and guess what? He wants to be encouraged by these people, these Romans. He doesn't think, and you know, once if we ever get to the place where we don't think that somebody can teach us something, you know what? The, the youngest believer in Christ may know something that we don't know, and, and we just don't know what people know, and and I love to talk with people about the Word of God because you get people's different perspectives and different things. And sometimes I like to listen to a guy. He does a Bible line. Carl Brogy does the Bible line on 11 o'clock on Tuesdays on 88.7 if you ever want to listen to it. But I like listening to it because people ask questions that I've never thought of asking before, you know. And I'm like, buddy of mine told me one time, I said, well, you can do a Bible line. I'm like, I don't think so. Some of these people ask questions I've never thought of in my life. It's neat to hear other people's perspective and ask the questions they ask and, and be able to know more about the Lord. That's what Paul's saying is that I can be encouraged by other people. And that's what it says over in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And it says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Bottom line is, is he says, 
You get encouraged, you get lifted up by coming in and being with other people, right? There's a difference between watching TV and watching a church service and coming to an actual church service sitting there. There's nothing, there, there's not a, there's a difference in being with other people and encouraging them and encouraging each other, you know. It, it's just something about that. Proverbs 27, 17 is an old verse that says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And that can go with men and women. It just doesn't mean men, but it can mean men and women that, that we sharpen each other. As we talk about the Lord, as we banner back and forth about the Word of God and what it really means and how it applies to our life. And as we come and hear sermons, we grow. And that's what it's part about. He says that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. And Paul got discouraged. I get discouraged. All of us get discouraged, right? We're all human beings. And no matter how great a spiritual giant we are, and I'm not saying I'm a great spiritual giant, but I'm talking about Paul. But no matter how great a spiritual giant you are, people get discouraged. We have our up times and our down times, right? I was talking to the guy the other day that we went and visited uh, Kim McDonald. And, and he was talking about a friend of his that got in an automobile accident. He didn't know you what happened. He fell asleep, something happened. He woke up and he'd hit a 26-inch pine tree and... Now he's basically paralyzed, you know. He's got 20% use of his bottom part of his body and 17% of the top. And he's maybe in his late 50s or early 60s. And now he's basically a, a quadriplegic, you know, basically. He doesn't have much use of anything. Ken's got some sickness too. And he says, you know, I get discouraged, but I get encouraged by him, you know, because he's up, and, you know. Some days we might be up, somebody else might be down, and some days they might be down and we might be up. And that's why we need each other, right? To encourage one another. And so we have to realize that we're just, as the old saying says, we're not, no man or woman is an island, right? We, we can't exist by ourselves. We need other people. And when we isolate ourselves, that's why Paul said he was separated to the gospel. He's not separated from people and thinking he's high and mighty, but he's separated to share the gospel, to be with people, to, to tell them the truth and bring people together. Because that's what the gospel does, is bring peace between people and brings them together. Then he gets to verse 13 and he says, Now I did not want, do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. This is where I want to spend a few minutes on. Notice up uh, in verse uh, 10, he said, Make a request that by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. And then you can jump down here to verse 11 or 13, excuse me, and tie that together. And he says, I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now. Now let's talk about that. What do you mean you were hindered? Let's talk about some things, what Paul says over there in Romans 15. Let's talk about this. Four reasons we can be hindered from doing the will of God or what we think we're supposed to be doing. And one of them is we can be hindered from advancing to the next stage of God's will because the current stage is not finished. And that's kind of what he's talking about here right this second. 
And you can read over in Romans 15 and verse uh, 18 to 23. We can read about that. Back up to 18. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient, mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ, and so I've made it my aim not to preach the gospel, to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and to those who have not heard shall understand. And then he says what? For this reason... I've also been much hindered from coming to you, but now longer, no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey. So what is he saying? He's saying that I was preaching the gospel where the gospel hadn't been preached before. And because of that, I had an obligation to do that. And, and God wouldn't let me go to the next stage, right? So sometimes we're in the middle of doing something and God wants us to stay where we're at. He doesn't want us just to jump from one thing to another willy-nilly. But he just says, you know, Marty, I got you in a place and I want you to stay there until I tell you to move. And he doesn't want us to move. And then he tells us sometimes we're also hindered. In other words, God's work is not complete and finished in this area. And until it's finished or complete, he says, you stay right where you're at. Then you can move. Or he may keep you there the rest of your life, right? Secondly, we're hindered by Satan. And he talks about that over in 1 Thessalonians uh, 2.18. He says, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even Paul, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. But we got to remember that even when Satan hinders us, ultimately God is not allowing us to move to somewhere else because... God's in control of everything, isn't he? And then third reason we can be hindered is sometimes we're hindered by a greater opportunity. If you remember over in Acts chapter 16, Paul, he desired to preach the gospel in Asia Minor, and he was prevented by the Lord because the Lord was opening the door into Macedonia. And he said he tried to go here and he tried to go there, and he couldn't go, and then he says... But there was a man, he had a vision, and a man over in Troas says, come over here to us. For that reason, Paul ended up starting the first church in Europe, the Philippian church. We preach through the Bible, the book of Philippians. And really, God wanted him to go over there because it was really a beachhead. You know what a beachhead is? It's like when the Marines or some unit goes in and they establish an area and from there, they're able to branch out everywhere, right? And Philippi was on that, uh, I think it was called the Ignatian Road. And all it was kind of like the place that everything went through Philippi. If you wanted to go through somewhere, you had to go through Philippi. And Philippi was a strategic location. And they were able to share the gospel all over Europe because of its location. And that was really the, the first church in Europe that was established. And I thank God that he was able to go over there instead of over to the Orient. Otherwise, we might have been like they are today and being persecuted and and, uh, not really have the gospel like they have. But then in some ways, they're really growing because today we've gotten so complacent in America because everybody's got a Bible or has heard about Jesus or this, that, and the other. 
and people are just ignoring God, but over there where the Word of God, there's a famine, people are really looking to the Lord. God often shuts one door to open another. Like I said in Revelation 3 verse 6, or I thought it was 6, maybe it's 8. He says, I know your work. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. And he says a verse or two before that, I open doors no man can shut and shut doors no man can open. So when God shuts the door, don't try to beat it down like I've done a couple of times. You might find out you got on the wrong prize, you know. I always think about what was it? Uh, he says, you can choose door number one, door number two, door number three. And God says, i only given you one choice. You got door number one. If you want to go through door number two or three, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> We're hindered by a greater opportunity. And then the last reason we can be hindered is sometimes God is preparing us for the next work he has for us or else he's preparing people's hearts and minds and getting things prepared in the area he's leading us to go next. Basically what that means is, you know, sometimes we think we're ready. I remember when I, I was, you know, was called to preach and, and I thought I was ready to go and, and all these obstacles and all these things kept getting in my way and I would think it was like Joseph told his brothers, he says, y'all meant it for evil but God meant it for good. And there were some people that were saying and doing things were hindering me from going and preaching and really telling me I wasn't called and all these different things. And I think God used that even though they meant it for evil. He ultimately used it for good because ultimately he allowed me to grow during that time and get to the place when I was actually prepared and and strong enough in the Word of God that I could go preach and I could go teach. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.